Deepak Chopra, a Hindu wellness leader, packages Eastern religious practices for Western people. He says the mantra is an instrument of the mind, a powerful sound or vibration that you can use to enter a deep state of meditation. Chopra encourages people to seek solace by sitting quietly, listening to the sounds of nature, and making low guttural noises like Om that represent what he calls the infinite universal consciousness. The mantra is exactly the kind of empty babbling about which Jesus warned his followers. Combined with soothing music, the mantra might be relaxing, but the meaningless chanting is no way to communicate with God. Imagine speaking to your spouse that way and wondering why he or she does not respond. I'm Ron Jones, and this is something good. When you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the pagans do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. That's Matthew 6, verse 7. And this is Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones. Well, before Jesus taught us how to pray, he taught us how not to pray. And one of the things he wants us to avoid is the meaningless repetition of words and phrases that don't come from the heart of the person who utters them. Ron has plenty more to say on this subject today as he continues his teaching series, The Jesus Way to Pray. Online, you'll find us at somethinggoodradio.org where you can listen to the broadcast on demand on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Now here's Ron with part two of his Something Good Radio message, The Jesus Way Not to Pray. I, I learned early along from some of my mentors as a pastor to jealously guard my sermon prep time. And, and my staff knows, that you, you don't just wake up on Sunday morning with, no, this comes from out. And any interaction, any interaction that you hope where you leave the aroma of Christ behind is gonna start with some sweet time of prayer in the Lord's presence. Make no mistake about that. That's why in Mark chapter one and verse 35, it says Jesus got up early in the morning and went to a lonely place to pray. Long before the cell phone started buzzing in his hip pocket, long before you know, the crowds had gotten going, he had spent time in his Father's presence in a quiet place somewhere. And that should be our practice as well. Don't pray like the hypocrites. The hypocrites don't have any quiet time. They just rush to the busy marketplace. They rush to the church. Hey, it's time to pray. I want everybody to see me. Ah, uh, no. You're like the iceberg that has nothing below the surface. And our praying ought to be like there's a whole lot beneath the surface of the ocean that nobody ever sees and just a little bit above. Alaskan iceberg praying. That's, that's the way we need to pray. Secondly, Jesus says, don't pray like the pagans. Don't pray like the hypocrites. Now, uh, don't pray like the pagans. He goes on to say in verse 7, and when you pray, not if you pray, but when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. 
For your father knows what you need before you ask him. By the way, not a double negative in there, but you know what he's doing. He's telling us how not to pray before he tells us how to pray. And in this case, don't pray like the Gentiles. We might say the pagans. Jesus had in mind a group of people who were outside the covenant community of God. They were outsiders, not insiders. And they did not know God. You know, unbelievers pray. It's not just... uh, evangelical Baptist Christians who pray. Other people pray, other religions pray. Uh, Atheists pray in the foxhole. (laughs) Um, But when they prayed, at least this group Jesus had in mind, they didn't pray, they they babbled. Some, Some kind of babble that didn't make sense to anybody. He called them empty phrases. And like uh, Hippocrates, sounds like hypocrites, the Greek word that Jesus draws from here sounds like babbling. It's batalogeo, batalogeo, empty phrases. The King James translates it as vain repetitions. We're talking about uh, babbling or the repetition of meaningless words. Now let's start outside of Christianity. Um, with uh, some of the Eastern religions that encourage kind of a form of, uh, of babbling. Uh, pagans, uh, people who do not know God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, they chant, they babble, they recite long overtures. Uh, they, they recite mantras. Mantras are prayer-like recitations mixed with meditation that are meant to empty the mind and silence the soul. Now, meditation in an Eastern religion like Buddhism or Hinduism is is meant to empty the mind. Well, meditation is in the Christian faith as well. Meditate upon God's word, but it's meant to fill the mind, not empty the mind. I'm gonna fill the mind with God's truth. Why? Because the truth will set you free. Emptying your mind just I don't know, it makes you stupid. You know, you've emptied your mind. You've got to fill your mind with God's word. And by the way, words do not trigger God. He's not a genie in the sky who grants wishes. He's not a magician who responds to somebody who says the right word like abracadabra. Prayer is relationship. It's not about recitation. It's not about finding the right words or, or finding some mantra that you you chant over and over again. Deepak Chopra is a, is a well-known uh, Hindu wellness leader and a best-selling author. He's done a really good job of packaging Eastern religion for Western consumption. And he's written books and put on seminars and all of that. He says the mantra is an instrument of the mind, a powerful sound or vibration that you can use to enter a deep state of meditation, you know, the emptying of the mind. He encourages people to seek solace by sitting quietly and by listening to the sounds of nature and making low guttural sounds, the most common of which is om, om. And um, he says that these sounds and this posture represents the infinite universal Consciousness. He believes that doing this will expand the awareness of the divine. I'm sorry, Deepak Chopra. This is exactly the kind of empty babbling Jesus warned us about. And can you imagine 
trying to have a conversation with your spouse that way. Uh, yeah. All just kinds of babble and guttural discussions, and you wonder why your spouse doesn't respond. No, prayer is recitation, or not recitation, but it's relationship. It's a, it's a conversation, a meaningful conversation uh, with God. Some churches, to uh, bring it in a little bit closer, some churches use liturgies in their worship gatherings. Nothing wrong with liturgies. Some of you may have grown up in a particular uh, church or denomination that, that used liturgies, which are uh, collections of formularies in public worship that were crafted uh, over centuries. And the language in them is very precise. I, I love to listen in on, you know, like an Anglican worship service where they use the liturgy and listen to the words. I'm sometimes, and I shouldn't be surprised, but I'm sometimes just surprised how gospel-centered the language and the wording is and how theologically you know, sound those words are. But the way the congregation responds to you know, prayers or responsive readings, it sounds about as passionless as a uh, customer service representative at the Department of Motor Vehicles. You know, what is that? And the pastor leading it, he has recited this before the congregation so many times. It's become a passionless recitation. When I'm, I'm listening to it as a Baptist going, that's really good stuff. It might have been written 400 years ago, but it's, it's spot on. We should be getting excited about this. Centuries ago when uh, Thomas Cramer, an Anglican, wrote the common book of prayer. Maybe you've heard of that. Maybe you grew up on that. I have a copy of it in my library. I love to break it out from time to time and just read through those very carefully crafted prayers and, and the deep theology in them. When he wrote that, it was heralded for its biblical uh, foundation and for its use of the common language of the day and how it drew people into a more intimate relationship with God. But today, the words sound formal. They don't sound like we talk today. They sound like words from another time because they are. And so, you know, we, we maybe push away from them or they, they just become vain, vain repetitions. You knew I wasn't going to let us off the hook, right? We evangelical Baptists are no better. We're, we're, we're less formal in our worship, but listen to our prayers sometimes. We kind of use the same you know, repeated phrases. Maybe it's something you heard from a pastor or somebody you, you know, a spiritual leader you respect and you think, oh, I, I have to say it this way um, and, and it'll make me sound more spiritual or that's just kind of the way we do it. And we create this echo chamber where we all kind of sound alike in our praying and we repeat the same phrases. And I, I don't know. I mean, it, it just lacks some of the spontaneity and the intimacy that we have say, in conversations with our spouse. This is our Heavenly Father we're speaking to. He invites us into a relationship that involves real, intimate conversation. And we'll talk more about that as time goes on. But it's also important to remember that prayer does not change God's mind or His will, nor does He need help from us running the universe. We'll be right back with more of today's Something Good message from Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. So let me ask you, 
Do you have a passion to pray? Would you like to learn to pray with zeal from someone who mastered the art of divine communication? The disciples asked Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. And he gave them a model for prayer that even a child can learn. Today, Dr. Ron Jones is ready to share his brand new book, The Jesus Way to Pray, an intimate journey through the Lord's Prayer. Join Ron as he guides you phrase by phrase through the power and beauty of the prayer that begins, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You'll also find an entire chapter that explains how Jesus prays for you and me, as well as biblical answers to the age-old question, does God answer prayer? That's the Jesus way to pray, an intimate journey through the Lord's Prayer. Order your copy for a donation of $25 or more. Share it with a friend by requesting a two-pack for $50 or a four-pack for $100. Give online at somethinggoodradio.org or over the phone by calling our offices at 757-276-1099 or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia 23456. Now let's get back to the rest of today's Something Good Radio message. The Jesus Way Not to Pray. Once again, here's Dr. Ron Jones. A prayer is not uh, me cajoling or manipulating God to do something He never wants to do in the first place. And if I just say it often enough, He'll change His mind. He'll do what I ask Him to do. No, prayer changes us. Prayer aligns our will to His will. Jesus spent that time in the Garden of Gethsemane Saying, Father, is there another way we can do this? And his soul rested in that spot where he said, okay, not my will, but thine be done. He prayed not once, not twice, but three times to get there. So prayer changes us and aligns our hearts with God. Also, God, I think, uses our prayers in the same way he uses the rain to water the earth and grow the crops. Or the same way that he... uh, Uh, uses sunlight to activate photosynthesis in the plants. He could do it another way, but he he created the universe so that the rain is needed to fall from the sky. He created the universe so that the sun uh, produces this thing called photosynthesis in plants. And and in the same way, prayer, prayer saturates the heavenlies. Not to manipulate God, but in some way he has obligated himself to this thing called prayer, inviting us into a relationship. And just like the rain saturates the earth, prayer saturates the heavenlies around us uh, to, to, to activate the sovereignty of God and the providence of God to work for his glory and on our behalf. And not only that, the blessings of God, when we pray, the blessings of God fall like raindrops from the earth. When we pray, and when we continue to pray, prayerlessness, on the other hand, creates spiritual drought. Now, I have a sprinkler system on my yard, and uh, I, I like a nice yard. I like it mowed when it's supposed to be mowed and trimmed up, and I want it to be green in the spring and even later in the fall. I, I don't like a, a yard that looks like a goat ranch, or, you know, you just... Let, let the sheep uh, graze on this. So I have learned that I have to schedule the, uh, the watering of my yard. And this little you know, box in my garage lets me do that. I, I, can, I can water you know, at, at 6 a.m. 
And then if I want to do it again at 6 p.m., I can schedule that on uh, every other day or every day of the week. And scheduled watering keeps my yard moist. I used to water my yard when it looked like it was screaming for water. You know, it had that drought strickenness to it. Until my yard man said, yeah, here's the way you need to do it. You need to schedule your watering. In the same way, I encourage you to schedule your prayer time with God. You schedule an appointment with everybody else, the doctor, the lawyer, uh, the, the handyman who's coming over. I mean, I could pull out my calendar. I've got, I've got appointments and scheduled times all over. Why not a scheduled prayer time with God? Pious Jews in the first century said, 9 o'clock, noon, and 3, I'm stopping what I'm doing and I'm praying. Muslims do that five or six times a day. And maybe, maybe the greatest hypocrisy of our time is that we call ourselves followers of Jesus Christ, but we never get around to having a conversation with him, except when we're in a pinch. And then, oh yeah, I've got to pray. Just got a, a bad report from the doctor. Now, schedule time alone in that quiet place with God. Now, what I've also noticed with my sprinkler system is there are times when we don't get enough rain around here. There are times when... You know, you need a little bit more water. I can override the system. And if I've scheduled it at 6 a.m., I can also schedule one at 6 p.m. or just go out there into the garage and, you know, manually do it. Prayer works the same way. Schedule your times with God. But what did the Apostle Paul tell us in the New Testament? Pray without ceasing. (laughs) There isn't any time during the day when we don't have our hearts turned toward God and we're just that close to having a conversation with him. The scheduled times are important to keep the heavenlies moistened with prayer activity so that the blessings of God and the sovereignty of God and the providence of God, however he has uh, obligated himself to prayer, it's, it's, it's like oil in the engine. It just keeps it working well. Does he need our prayers? No, but he invites us to pray. Not so we can bend his will to ours, but so that our will aligns more with his. And there's something about that that just saturates the heavenlies. Imagine a church that took this seriously. And people all across our church family had our scheduled times of prayer personally. And we had prayer times scheduled corporately as a church. And we all stood back and stood in amazement at what God is doing. Why? Because we prayed. We prayed. We're going to talk at the end of our uh, study about, you know, the keys to answered prayer. And there are some things that, you know, we need to do to align ourselves to God's will and so that he hears and answers our prayers. But in the mystery of all of that, it just starts by saturating the heavenlies with prayer. I don't completely understand how God obligates himself to our prayers without compromising his sovereignty or his providence. But he does. And something happens when God's people pray. Don't pray like the hypocrite. Don't pray like the pagan who does not know God and just babbles some meaningless word. That don't do, that don't do you no good. Oh, come on. You remember Mrs. Guess, right? A double negative. That won't do you no good. To pray that way. It's stuck in my mind back when I was a fifth grader. Don't use no double negatives. 
So that won't do you no good to pray like the hypocrite or like the pagan. Jesus then says, pray like this. Say it with me. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. And in the weeks to come, we're going to turn all this in a positive direction, as Jesus does, and learn what each of those phrases are all about. Because even the Lord's Prayer was not meant to just be some mindless, passionless recitation. It's like prayer training wheels. This is how you pray. But as you grow in your prayer life, you take the training wheels off, but you're still praying to your Father who is in heaven. You're revering His name. You're aligning your will to His before you ever get to your requests, and so on, and so on, and so on, that we will talk about. Thanks for joining us for today's Something Good radio message, The Jesus Way Not to Pray, and I'm pleased to welcome Dr. Ron Jones. Pastor, one of the things Jesus emphasizes here in Matthew chapter 6 is that we should be careful not to draw attention to ourselves in prayer, in fasting, in every area of life. Really, don't make yourself the focus. Now, this is a consistent theme throughout Scripture, and we need to be reminded of it from time to time. Yes, we do, Brian, and let's make today one of those times. You know, this tendency for self-absorption began with Lucifer. He wanted more attention, more recognition. In short, he wanted to be worshipped, and pride was his downfall. In our own lives, Brian, pride is at the root of all sin. Uh, Let's face it, it's human nature to want to take credit for a job well done or to hear others tell us how great and wonderful we are. Now, to a point, there's uh, nothing at all evil or sinister about wanting a little encouragement. Uh, The question is, are we doing anything to steer attention in our own direction or to prop ourselves up? And the answer very often is yes, and that's the contrast Jesus was pointing out here in Matthew chapter 6. He's saying that prayer is about the relationship we have with him, not about the recognition we may get from others. Now, Jesus makes a similar point in uh, Luke chapter 14 when he says, don't sit in a place of honor when you go to a wedding feast. Instead, uh, sit in the back, be humble, and perhaps the host will invite you to come higher up. Brian, the safest and wisest path to me goes something like this. If we're going to seek out attention or be boastful, Uh, Let it be the brand modeled by the Apostle Paul. He determined to boast only about his weaknesses so that God would be even more glorified, so that the goodness and mercy of God would be cast in even a greater light. Anytime we do something, Brian, sing a song or preach a sermon or teach a Bible study, our desire should not be for people to say what a great singer or a great teacher or, or a great preacher we are, but what a great God he is. We're called to live a God-directed life in a self-directed world. As John the Baptist said, 
and as we all should be saying our whole lives uh, from this day forward, Jesus must increase and I must decrease. That's Dr. Ron Jones and some final thoughts from today's message, The Jesus Way Not to Pray. Now, Ron, before we sign off, tell us where you're headed next time as you continue your series, The Jesus Way to Pray. Brian, speaking of uh, not drawing attention to ourselves, the very first stanza in the Lord's Prayer is all about God, His name, His kingdom, and His will. Now, I'll be the first to admit that I don't always follow that pattern, but instead I, I sometimes rush right into my requests and concerns. But this is a wonderful reminder for us to get back to the habit of using the Lord's Prayer as a template for all of our conversations with God. So next time, I'll dive uh, deep into the first stanza of the Lord's Prayer. And along the way, I'll talk about the person of prayer, the place of prayer, and the praise of prayer. That's tomorrow when Dr. Ron Jones shares his message, The Jesus Way to Pray with Praise. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis. Thanks for listening.